This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. We are back from vacation. My wife and I had a, a nice trip down uh, to the Sunshine State. Got a little uh, sunshine. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, i tell you what, it... Uh, after leaving here and, you know, temperatures in the 30s and 40s, you get down to Florida, we had a couple of 80-degree days. It's just, uh, it's wonderful. I know one thing. I, I know I could never live down there. It's just too many people. It's, <laughs> and not to mention how hot and humid it gets in the uh, uh, the, the summertime there, but there's just, every, it's just too many people. <laughs> it's crazy. Had a nice visit with uh, my uncle, who I hadn't seen in many, many years while we were there. So it was great, but we're back. Lots to talk about this morning. Of course, uh, we lead off with the Hall of Fame announcement uh, from yesterday. And Scott Rowland, former Philadelphia Philly, St. Louis Cardinal, Toronto Blue Jay, uh, is now, uh, Cincinnati Red is now a member of the Hall of Fame. He gets 76.3% of the vote. Of course, you needed 75, so he got in by five votes. Needed 292, got 297. Um, And and look, uh, Scott Rowland is a guy that has been on the ballot for a while, I thought that he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. It's one of those things that sometimes you're you're a victim of who else is on the ballot and how many other Hall of Famers are there. You're also a victim of looking at straight numbers. But Scott Rowland was one of those guys when you, if you do the eye test, which is something I always like to do, numbers are great, but numbers don't tell the whole story. And Scott Rowland was one of those guys, when you watched him play, you knew that this guy was special. He made plays that nobody else was going to make. Eight gold gloves. Uh, He was the rookie of the year. A guy that was an all-star numerous times. The way he played the game. Uh, I think it was it might have been Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe who said that Scott Rowland played third base like a linebacker, you know, like he was playing football. He attacked the ball, but he was one of the best defensive shortstop, uh, best defensive third baseman uh, of his not just of his era of all time. You know, I mean, this guy, this guy, <laughs> he could pick it. And, you know, um, so he deserved to be in. Took a little while, but they finally got him there. He is just the 12th third baseman to make it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. 12. It's not that many over the course of of time. Um, He also 
became the guy that got in. He is now has the lowest percentage of votes in his first year of eligibility than any uh, any other candidate who went into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he only got, I think, 10% of the vote his first year. And the fact that he got in now it set a record for the most. Look, his raw numbers, he was a 281 hitter. 316 homers, 1,287 runs batted in. But one of the things, and Pete Abraham pointed this out as well, one of the things that actually helped Roland here, and look, I'm not a metrics guy. I don't like these new, you know, uh, stats that they've come up with and, you know, ways of uh, trying to evaluate players. But this is a case where Scott Rowland probably got helped by these new statistics. You know, we've all heard the uh, uh, the thing about war, wins above replacement, which basically means how many wins better are you than the guy who would have been your average replacement in a particular year? And so they, and then they do that every year, and they total it up um, for your career, and that is how you know people are trying to compare apples to oranges it's because it's hard i mean people play in different eras so it's not always easy to do that right um but if you look at and if you look at his straight up war numbers which are um i think is i think the combined for his 17 year career was something along the lines of uh 53 and that's basically um Basically, your offensive numbers. It was fifty-three, but when they they have this other metric called B-WAR, which and you know, frankly, I mean, uh, you know, some of this stuff escapes me, but I I don't know how they figure it out, and I really don't care. I you know, um, I don't pay attention to a lot of it. It's just one more tool that you can use. But like I said, I like to use the eye test. The eye test to me means something. But this B-War takes into consideration somebody's defensive ability as well. And um, that particular metric really helps him. There's only four other players. right Now, Scott Rowland played between 1996 and 2012. There are only four other players during that time that had a larger B-War number, which is a combination of your offense and defensive ability, than Roland. Who were those four guys that were better than Scott Roland in that number? Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, Albert Pujols, and Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones went into the Hall of Fame, you know I mean? It was crazy. Barry Bonds and A-Rod are not in and will probably will not get in for a while because of the whole steroid thing. We'll get into that in a minute. And then Albert Pujols, who's not eligible yet because he just retired. He won't be eligible for another five years, but he's going to get in the first ballot. And outside of that, Scott Rowland had a larger number of this particular metric than anybody else during that time period. So you look at that and you go, well, how the hell did it take so long for him to get in? That's a good question. Um. So it took him a while, but he's in, and and rightfully so. There were a couple of other guys that got close. Todd Helton got to 72.2. He fell 11 votes short. And Billy Wagner, former closer, fell about, uh, fell, I think, 27 votes short. Todd Helton's getting in, 
probably next year. He was at 72.2. Billy Wagner's trajectory has been steadily upward. He will get in. Um, you know, Helton, I, I think the only thing that hurts Helton is that he gets penalized for playing in Colorado, which seems kind of stupid. But he gets penalized because he played in a place where the ball flies. And so people say that, well, if it weren't for Colorado, you know, Todd Helton doesn't hit 316 in his career. Right? Um, not fair. Because if you look at his numbers on the road versus home, he tore the cover off the ball on the road as well. So, you know, not fair at all. Was he a great defensive player? No. But, man, he could he could rake. So he's going to get in probably next year. Billy Wagner is a guy that he's a polarizing figure. You know, look, he, he threw the ball hard. Left-hander. Uh, played most of his career with the Houston Astros. Guy could throw smoke. 16-year career. 422 saves. He was an all-star, I think, seven times, including uh, the last year of his career. The final year of his career, right, in 2010, Billy Wagner had 36 saves and had an ERA of 1.43 and, and, and a whip of under .9. It was sick. So, you know, you look at the greats and people, you know, hold Mariano Rivera up to the, the standard of being the greatest reliever ever. And you look at guys like Bruce Suter and Dennis Eckersley and uh, Billy Wagner's right there. But closers seem to get stiff by a lot of people. Andrew Jones made some strides again this year. Uh, former great center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. You know, the thing that hurts Andrew Jones is when his career started, he was incredible. But then his numbers kind of fell off a cliff. And his offensive numbers, and, and the reason that it's probably taken so long is that his offensive numbers were not that strong. You know, he could hit some home runs. But his career batting average is 254. But he was a great, and I mean a great, center fielder. I'm not sure if he's a Hall of Famer. In my mind, he may be a Hall of Very Good guy. But he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. He is getting close. The most fascinating guy to me this year on the ballot was Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran, in his first year on the ballot, got 46.5% of the vote. Now, if you look at his numbers, just looked at the numbers, you would say this guy probably should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. The problem is Carlos Beltran was on the 2017 Houston Astros who used that whole trash can, uh, you know, video monitor thing to cheat. And so in a lot of people's eyes, that hurt him and that they didn't get, he didn't get their vote because of that. That's fair. What's interesting is, is that people looked at what he did 
and then compared it to what guys like Barry Bonds and A-Rod and Rafael Palmero and some other guys who uh, quote-unquote cheated by using performance-enhancing drugs. And Carlos Beltran uh, was deemed to be less of a cheater than guys who used steroids, right? Because Barry Bonds, uh, his first year on the ballot, despite being the all-time home run champ and all the things that he did in his career, only got 36% of the vote. So Beltran did better than Barry Bonds. And you can't and Barry Bonds and Carlos Beltran are not in the same league. Barry Bonds is a should be in the Hall of Fame. I know, I know. But here's the thing. And and Barry Bonds before the whole PED thing started, if he had gotten hurt right after he was uh, went over to the San Francisco Giants from the Pittsburgh Pirates, he's probably already a Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens was a Hall of Famer before the allegations of PED use started. And this is the way, and I've said this, I've said it on this show before. Here's the way I look at this. If you played Major League Baseball before there was an official drug testing policy for steroids you know, and other uh, performance-enhancing drugs, if you were in baseball prior to that, before testing, you were never suspended for using those things, that should not count against you. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame. They did not do anything that violated the rules of Major League Baseball, be it drugs, be it gambling, be it anything. They never got suspended for doing anything wrong. A-Rod, different story. There was testing. He got suspended. Manny Ramirez got suspended. Robinson Cano, when his time comes up, got suspended. Anybody who got suspended is, in my mind, and should be in anybody's mind, out. But how you can... How you can hold it against a guy who never did anything that violated Major League Baseball rules is beyond me. And this is one of the things, the problems that I have with the Baseball Writers Association. They have gone overboard with the steroid stuff and with the character stuff. Look, you want to argue Pete Rose doesn't get in and has been banned from baseball because of gambling, and that's been the number one rule against in baseball since day one why there's nine members or eight members of the Chicago White Sox from the Black Sox scandal in 1918 that will never get in the Hall of Fame because they cheated and threw games with gamblers. You, I, you can't argue that. You gambled. It's the, the cardinal sin in Major League Baseball. You're done. But at the end of the day, if you don't violate any rules, you don't ever get suspended, how can that be held against you? It's like saying that anybody who did amphetamines during the 70s and 60s should be banned from the Hall of Fame because they were on psychedelic drugs or something. Look, there's guys in the Hall of Fame that were doing drugs in the 60s and 70s. They weren't steroids, but they were doing drugs. Why aren't they left out of the Hall of Fame? Why have we decided to draw the line at a couple of guys who put up historic numbers? Barry Bonds did what he did. And 
you know, whether you believe it. You know, the other thing about Barry Bonds is is that it wasn't just the home runs. This is a guy that had a great eye. He could, you know, he found ways to get on base. Yeah, he got walked a lot intentionally because they didn't want to hit a home run. I mean, how many guys get walked intentionally with the bases loaded? But be, be that as it may, this guy was a all-star player throughout his career before his body changed and you, you, you suspected steroids. Roger Clemens, when you look at pictures of Roger Clemens when he was younger, he was skinny. Same thing with Barry Bonds, but they were putting up Hall of Fame numbers, so they would have been Hall of Famers anyway. And at the end of the day, they never got suspended. So, you know, I, I don't have... I don't understand that rationale where where if if you think they cheated, you put them in. Look, people thought Mike Piazza cheated for years. Well, guess what? He got in the Hall of Fame. Right? There's other guy, but Jeff Bagwell, the people suspected he was cheating for years. He never got caught, never got never failed a drug test, never got suspended. He's in the Hall of Fame. Well, why did you draw the line at Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens? Why? Because they did so much more than anybody ever? That's stupid. And yet here's a guy, Carlos Beltran, who got was part of the cheating scandal with the Houston Astros. One of the biggest scandals that we've had in baseball in the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Lost a manager's job because of it. He was supposed to manage the New York Mets. Don't forget that. After he retired and lost his job because of that. We had general managers lose their job. We had managers get suspended for a year. These are guys that paid penalties for that, and yet they're going to look the other way on Carlos Beltran and say, well, he cheated less. You know, that's like saying uh, uh, my neighbor, my neighbor cheated on his wife three times. What an a-hole. I only cheated on my wife once, so I'm a much better person than he is. That's essentially what you're saying. We always want to point finger. Oh yeah, but that guy, that guy's way worse. You can't, you know, you, and that's the problem when you know you have humans that are members of the Baseball Writers Association that, you know, and I've got look, I've got friends in the Baseball Writers Association, including Pete Abraham, who vote for the All Stars, who I mean, who vote for the Hall of Fame. You know, I've got you know several of them. Guys I've known for years, guys that I respect. And a couple of the guys that I respect don't vote for Bonds and Clemens. And I disagree. And, you know, and, and to me, if guys that didn't vote for Bonds and Clemens voted for Carlos Beltran, and when you look at his numbers this year, they must have. Because he got the, what, 46.5%. He got 181 votes. First time on the ballot, his trajectory is he's going to get in, and it may not be long. And, again, the sad thing is is that Carlos Beltran, without this cheating scandal, might have been a first ballot guy or maybe a second ballot guy. He's getting in. But what he did is worse in my mind than what anything that you might want to say that Bonds or Clemens did. If you if if you believe that they cheated, you know, I mean, there's a, basically with those guys, it's all hearsay. 
Roger Clemens was acquitted of, you know, said he didn't do it, and he was convicted. He was accused of lying about it and, you know, perjuring himself. Guess what? He won that court case. Got cleared of lying to Congress. So, you know, again, it, it doesn't make any sense. But Beltron, again, without the cheating thing, he's we're not even talking about this. He's already in. Uh, the one other guy I want to mention uh, in the voting was uh, Jeff Kent. Did not get in his last year on the ballot, his 10th year. This is a guy that I, I don't understand, other than the fact that there were people that didn't like Jeff Kent. You know, he was because of the way, you know, he could be a little surly. But Jeff Kent is a guy that was one of the best second basemen ever. And, he and you know, people say, well, he wasn't a great defensive second baseman. I beg to differ. I wouldn't say he was great, but he was better than average. He got to 46.5% this year. Doesn't get on. Uh, doesn't get in. He's going to have to wait for the Veterans Committee. But look, Jeff Kent, and again, how do you, I, can't, I can't figure this out. He's got the most home runs ever by a second baseman. Ever. Most RBIs ever by a second baseman. Most 100 RBI seasons ever by a second baseman. He did that eight times. Highest slugging percentage ever by a second baseman. Since Rogers Hornsby. Rogers Hornsby, ladies and gentlemen, did that 100 years ago. Jeff Kent was better than anybody else for the last 100 years in slugging percentage at second base. And yet he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. That makes zero sense. Now, he'll, he'll get in. The Veterans Committee will get him in. It was kind of the same. Fred McGriff was the same thing. Fred McGriff is going in this year because he got voted in by the Veterans Committee. He never got to 40% in his entire time on the Hall of Fame ballot. Jeff Kent got higher than that. He got to 46.5. Fred McGriff, the highest he got was 39.8. And he finally got in. Jeff Kent belongs in. He should have been voted in. At the end of the day, no one's going to care whether you got voted in or whether you got put in by one of the committees. You know, the idea of the committee is to get some of, right some of the wrongs from the baseball writers. Because baseball writers are human and they're prejudiced like the, everybody else. And they make mistakes. And the veterans committees are there to fix that. So. That's where we're at, and uh, so we'll, we'll have just uh, two players, uh, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, of course, and then uh, uh, an executive and the Ford Frick winner, uh, Pat Hughes, the broadcaster for the Chicago Cubs. And uh, when July comes around, those will be the four that will go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got some more baseball news, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not, uh, not great baseball news. It's the kind of stuff that uh, has become – Way too common. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Um, uh, just got an uh, email from one of our listeners, and, and Steve uh, uh, checked in and said, look, um, cheaters don't belong in the Hall of Fame, period. And look, you know what? I don't have um, I, I don't have a problem with that. But you, the, my my point is this. Yeah, um, Carlos Beltran cheated. He admitted he cheated. There's no question that he cheated. There's other guys on that team that cheated as well. Justin Verlander was on that team. Does that mean when Justin Verlander's time comes up 
to go into the Hall of Fame because he was part of the Houston Astros in two, uh, 2017. He shouldn't be in a Hall of Fame. Just asking. Um, but but my point is this. What it, when does it become cheating? If there is no rules in place for performance-enhancing drugs, when Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens played and Rafael Palmero and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, when there were no rules in place for those things and guys were using them, how is it cheating? If it's not going against the rules of the game, how is it cheating? Now, once the rules are put into place and these bullet heads continue to fail drug tests and get caught and get suspended for cheating, then you have it then you have an argument. But to me, you don't have you can't go back and say, well, we have these rules in place now, and we think these people did this before. In some cases, we know that they did. And how can you say, well, we think that Mike Piazza and Jeff Bagwell use PEDs, but they they somehow skate in, but you're going to draw the line at Bonds and Clemens, guys that did not technically cheat. They did not go against any of the Major League Baseball rules. Never got suspended. So how, how do you draw that? I, I'm okay with you know, the guys that got caught cheating and went against the rules and got suspended or, you know, whatever for breaking the rules. Just like if somebody tomorrow goes out and, uh, you know, places a bet, starts betting against his own team and there's questions about whether he's performing uh, up to snuff so that he can win his bets, he should be banned for life and he sh- that's cheating. If somebody tomorrow fails a drug test, that's cheating. But you can't retroactively go back. Look, there are, and I don't want to carry this too far, but there are, uh, back, in the, back in the day, back before I was born, back in the real Stone Ages, there were things that, that pitchers would use on their arms that was, uh, and, and, and they would t- get, take shots of things that were meant for horses like horse tranquilizers and liniment that they used to use on horses for pain. And, you know, stuff that you couldn't use today, stuff that has been banned by the FDA for use with with humans. That got used before. Does that mean they were cheating? You know, how far do you want to carry this? Unless you were suspended and you, you broke a rule that is on the books, to me, that should not be held against you. Look, you can say whatever you want about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa saved baseball after the strike, and the commissioner of baseball turned a blind eye. They they kind of knew what was going on because I remember when um, there was talk, and there was a Mark McGuire had a had a jar of this uh, Andro stuff that he had in his it was, and he called it like a you know like a meal supplement or something or he just said it was a supplement that he was taking with his workouts and i remember when that happened and then the word came out well you know what it is is it's a steroid and you know should he be using it and yeah, but it wasn't against the rules it wasn't against the law so how do you you know you look was mark mcguire a great hitter 
No, not really. He didn't hit for high average, struck out a ton. He wasn't a great fielder. Should he be a Hall of Famer? Maybe, probably not. I, I liken a guy like Mark McGuire to a guy who played when I was a kid. If you remember, if you're of a certain age, you remember a guy by the name of Dave Kingman. Dave Kingman kicked around with a lot of teams, uh, like the Cubs and the Brewers and et cetera. Dave Kingman could hit the ball to Jupiter. He hit the ever-living snot out of the baseball. But the problem was is he struck out about half the time he was up. He was an all-or-nothing guy. He's not in the Hall of Fame despite the fact that he hit – I don't think he hit 500 home runs, but he hit, you know, he hit a bunch of home runs. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because all he did was hit home runs. So you could make that same case with McGuire and Sosa. You don't have to use steroids to keep them out of the Hall of Fame. Right? I mean, overall, they just weren't great players, which is okay. But we're going to, we're going to use the steroids as our excuse. And we're going to use the steroids as an excuse to keep out Bonds and Clemens, who even before there was any PED rules uh, and before their bodies changed and before they did anything, they were Hall of Famers. They were both going to be Hall of Famers. If they, if they had both gotten hurt before their bodies changed and, and there was the appearance of steroid use, they would have, they would have been in the Hall of Fame. They would have been like, you know, if they had retired after 10 or 11 years, they would have been like Sandy Koufax, who only played nine years and got in the Hall of Fame. That's how good their numbers were. By the way, here's Dave Kingman's numbers. Uh, he had 442 home runs over 16 years. Had over 1,200 RBI. That's a bunch. But he struck out 1,800 times in his career. Dave Kingman struck out a bunch. Now, you know, the funny part is he struck out a bunch. But compared to the way guys strike out now, it's nothing. The most times he ever struck out in a season, I'm, I'm trying to see it, it's 156. Christ, there's guys that strike out 156 times by the All-Star break these days. <laughs> Maybe not quite that bad. But, but that's the kind of player he was, and he only hit 236 for his career. He had a bunch of home runs, and he had 1,200 RBIs is a number that can get you in the Hall of Fame. But overall, all he did was hit the, was mash. So, so I, I look, Steve. I agree with you that cheaters should be left out. But how do how can you call a guy a cheater if he didn't break a rule that got him suspended? That's my only point. All right. Um, other baseball news from yesterday, and it's not good. Uh, word came down: Mike Clevenger, who was originally uh, started his career with the Cleveland uh, Indians, was uh, traded to the San Diego Padres, and then signed this off season with the Chicago White Sox uh, is under investigation by Major League Baseball after there were allegations of domestic abuse leveled by the 24-year-old mother of his child. And she uh, including, included an incident from last year where this woman, um, I'm not going to say her name, I mean it's all over the place, but... Uh, we don't need to bring her name into it because it doesn't matter. Um, at the end of the day, you just don't you don't put your hands on a woman. And supposedly this last June, while San Diego was in Los Angeles to play the Dodgers, 
Um, he slapped her around in a hotel room and threw used chewing tobacco on their child. Really nice. Really nice. Um, the White Sox have said they knew nothing about this when they signed him. Um, the Padres said that uh, they're aware of it and they support you know the efforts. Yeah, 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 yada, yada. Look, here we go again. Right here we go again. Domestic abuse. This guy's getting suspended, and and you know, interesting. The girl or the woman that's the mother of his child said that she said, "I hope that MLB does what they should and puts him in required therapy, and maybe even a small suspension, so he can take a time out to really think about why he abuses his kids and their mothers, because he has more than one child with it with more than one woman, and he there's been there has been some." rumors about some other things that he has done in the past. But here we go again. And we just went through the whole Trevor Bauer thing where it was a, uh, you know, where it was just this brutal, it, it appeared to be a, be a brutal attack. And, you know, the the woman claimed it was rape and he claimed that uh, this is what she wanted. And, you know, I mean, it, Trevor Bauer is probably never pitching in Major League Baseball again. Be just Even though uh, his suspension is over, you know, and an arbiter ruled that you know the suspension that he had been given for time served was was sufficient. I and but he still had time on his contract with the Dodgers, and the Dodgers said, "Yeah, I don't think so." So he's done with them. And the question is, is will another team ever sign him? I can't believe anybody would want to take that on because he has denied this from day one. He has been brazen about denying it, uh, almost cocky about it. I just can't believe anybody's going to sign this guy. He'll be lucky if, if an independent league team will sign him. And he's a hell of a talent. And Mike Clevenger, before uh, the, the arm injuries he had, was a hell of a talent. But here we go. It's just, you know, we, and it's not, you know, look, it's not just baseball. We see this in all sports. And look, and, and, and it's not that it's more prevalent in sports than it is uh, in your neighborhood. It's just that these guys are public figures, so we're going to hear about it more. And at the end of the day, fellas, you don't we don't put our hands on women. You just don't do that. There's no there's no reason to ever do that. And I can imagine. Look, uh, we've all had bad relationships. We've all had you know we've, a lot of us have had bad marriages. But there's just never any excuse for putting your hand on a woman. So Mike Clevenger deserves everything that he gets. And now, if you're the Chicago White Sox, you've counted on this guy being part of your rotation, and oh boy. Um, and the same time that this came down yesterday, there was news that uh, one of the members of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Charles Amenu, was uh, arrested after a domestic violence uh, allegation in San Jose over the weekend. And it's a misdemeanor, and it's supposedly that uh, uh, his girlfriend called the cops because and said that he pushed her to the ground during an argument. And, you know, guy's 25 years old. He's in his second season with the 49ers, and he's a regular part of that 49er rotation on the defensive line. Uh, you know, look, he played in the game against Dallas on Sunday. Got hurt during the game, but he came back. and uh, But now... What do the 49ers do? You know, it's a misdemeanor charge, but it's still, you know, pushing a woman down. It's not a good look for the 49ers. I almost think that they have to 
make him inactive for this game this weekend. I mean, I don't know what else you do. But Jesus, it's like it's just a, a never-ending thing. And again, like I said, it's no different than, you know, I'm sure there's probably, you know, a guy down the street from where I live, you know, abusing his wife. We're not going to hear about it because we're, they're not public figures. But at the end of the day, fellas, knock it off. We got to be better. I mean, as human beings, we just got to be better. You know, and, 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 you know, with all the crap going on in the world now with, you know, what, what do we had? Did, did I see I think I saw that we've already had like, I don't know, 20 something mass shootings in this country, like one for uh, one for every day in this country. What the hell? You know, we just civility is gone. Let's just hit, let's just beat everybody up and shoot everybody. That's where we're at in this world right now. I've ranted and ranted and ranted. I got a lot of other stuff I wanted to get to. We're not going to get to it all this morning. It's 44 minutes past here. We're going to take another break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. I seem to be having some issues with my, uh, not quite sure what's going on here, but I'm having some issues with uh, with our sound, so my, my commercials weren't playing. I apologize for that. So, well, all right, let's just uh, let's just keep rolling. How about that? Um Let's get to some good baseball news, and uh, man, I guess it's good. The Red Sox made a trade yesterday they, with the uh, Kansas City Royals. They traded uh, Josh Taylor to the Royals in return for Adalberto Montesi, um, shortstop from the Royals, who got hurt last year, uh, had a knee injury. There's some questions about whether he'll be ready for the start of the regular season or not. However, uh, when you look at this on the surface, I like it a lot. I really do. Um, I like the fact that uh, he's a plus defensive shortstop. You know, is he a great hitter? No, no. But he's a guy that, you know, can hit 230, 240. But he's a switch hitter, which I like. He's good against lefties. But, you know, look, when you look, and now this gives the Red Sox the opportunity um, to move Kike Hernandez perhaps to second base, and you could have a, a – a Kike Mondesi thing up the middle, and maybe they put Kike at shortstop and they put Mondesi at second base, but either way, it makes your defense up the middle a lot better. Adam Duvall is a pretty good center fielder, folks. Um, you know, that signing that the Red Sox made of Adam Duvall, I think, is uh, gone a little bit under the radar. You know, this is a guy um, that has done some pretty good things. He Does he strike out a lot? Yeah, he does. But he can mash, and he plays a pretty good center field. So if if... You know, look, it's not Trevor Story. It's not Xander Bogarts. I get that. But if they can have a Mondesi-Kike Hernandez thing in the infield until Trevor Story is able to come back, and I know there's still hopes that he's going to be able to come back, and I hope he can uh, this year. If that happens, that's great. If not, you know, you can live with this. Look, is this a team when you look at on the surface of it, you go, oh, man, this is a uh, this is a, uh, you know, a World Series team. No, probably not. Probably not. You know, but with that pitching staff and, and, you know, there's a lot of ifs on that pitching staff. I mean, Chris Sale has come out and, you know, any Chris Sale, I give Chris Sale a lot of credit, whether you like the guy or not. I'll give Chris Sale this. He always is a stand-up guy, and he always says, you know, the right thing. And, and it's basically, look, I need to do better. I want to do better. You know, people deserve for me to do better, that kind of thing. Um, 
So, you know, there's that. But um, so there's a lot of ifs there. But this team can be competitive. And if it wasn't in the, the American League East, they'd say, well, maybe they could, you know, maybe they could make the playoffs. I don't know. You know, but a lot of people think a lot of this kid that they signed out of Japan, uh, Yoshida, that's going to play left field. Uh, Justin Turner's another guy. Look, he's going to be mostly a DH, but he's a guy that can still hit the baseball. If Tristan Cassis is half the player they think he is, they're going to be better off at first base than they were last year. You know, Verdugo is what he is in right field. He's meh, you know. Um, but this, you know, and, of course, Rafi Devers at third base, he'll do his thing. You know, the catching position obviously is a little bit of a concern, but I think this team can be okay. I mean, I think this team is a better than 500 team. I don't think this team is a last place team as constructed. Now, if all these guys in the rotation get it, you know, if Paxton can't come back, if Sale gets hurt again, well, then we're going to have a different conversation. You know, uh, because then you're relying on a lot of guys that are unproven starters like Bayo, like uh, Brian Mata. Uh, like Whitlock, like Tanner Houck. <laughs> and if you're relying on those guys, then I'm thinking, well, last place is a possibility again. And then, you know, Bloom will be out of a job. But as I, you know, on paper, and with the changes that they made to the bullpen, on paper, I don't hate this team. I don't. So, you know, we'll see. And, you know, and you still have now you, you still have Christian Arroyo that becomes your utility guy. You've got Ref Snyder as your, your, your backup outfielder. And then maybe some combination. Well, Connor Wong will be your backup catcher. And then maybe they carry either a, a Bobby Dahlbeck or a Jaron Duran for another outfielder. Dahlbeck can play first. He can play third. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's what this team is, is going to be. And, and I can live with that. I, would I have rather they still had Bogarts and make some of these other moves? Absolutely. But I can live with this. you know. And at least they're doing something, for God's sake. Uh, they made the signing of Duvall official yesterday, and when they did that, the Red Sox placed Matt Barnes uh, on waivers, designated him for assignment. This is a guy that they just signed to an extension a year and a half ago, a guy who was an all-star in 2021, and then fell off a cliff the second half of the year. If you remember last year, oh, my God, his first, his first 20 appearances last year, he had an ERA of eight. And uh, then they put him on the uh, uh, the injured list with a shoulder, and he, he didn't come back until August. Now, when he came back, he showed some signs. He had a 174 ERA in his last 21 games. So he showed signs that he was back and his velocity was back up to like 96. So I think there's still something there. I think he will get picked up by somebody. Uh, and the Red Sox are hoping that they can do it and they can make a trade. But the Red Sox are likely going to be on the hook for 7.5 mil. So what's going to happen is, is he'll clear waivers and then somebody will pick him up for the major league minimum and the Sox will have to pay the rest of it. What shocked me, and i got to be honest with you, it really did is that they released Barnes instead of Ryan Brazier. But the money was bigger on Barnes, so I'm guessing that was part of the factor. I don't know. But I know this. Ryan Brazier stinks. <laughs> I'm sorry. But Bloom told us yesterday that they looked at the projections, and the projections on Ryan Brazier are better than they are on Matt Barnes. My first reaction when I read that is, I want some of what he's smoking. Because, again, 
I know Barnes was awful in the beginning of last year, but I know what I saw from Ryan Brazier, and Ryan Brazier was a human gas can. You brought him in, and everything blew up. So I don't, I don't like this at all. Somebody theorized that maybe there was something going on with Barnes in the front office, and maybe the Barnes got disgruntled because of the moves they've made in the bullpen has kind of made it look like, at best, Matt Barnes might be a sixth-inning guy and that he didn't like that, and so maybe there was an issue there. If you're Matt Barnes and as bad as you were last year, you, if that's the case, if you're Matt Barnes, you're an idiot. As bad as you were last year, take your $7.5 million, shut the hell up and pitch when they want you to pitch. But so I don't know that that's the case, but that's that's the theory anyway. So uh, but we'll see. But anyway, so Matt Barnes looking for a job. Hey, you know what? Matt Barnes grew up a Yankee fan in Western Connecticut, so maybe he maybe he winds up with the Yankees. <laughs> Kicking the shorts that would be. Um, I was going to talk about uh, uh, the Patriots and uh, Bill O'Brien, but we're going to save that until tomorrow. The, uh, the Patriots did hire Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator, but we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, just because we're uh, we're running out of time, um, the Bruins keep rolling. They win again last night. They beat the Canadians four um, two. The Bruins now, in forty seven games, have eighty points. They are running away and hiding from the rest of the NHL. I mean, it is ridiculous. In the Eastern Conference, they have a fourteen point lead over their closest competitors. Toronto, Carolina, and New Jersey all have sixty six points. The highest point total in the Western Conference is 64. The Bruins are 38-5-4. It's absolutely ridiculous. They are 22-1-3 at home. Now, they won on the road last night. But still, they've only lost five games in regulation all season. Just crazy. To put it in perspective, to get to 80 points in a, in a season, they've set a record. They've done it in 47 games. The fastest... Prior to that, where the Flyers did it in 49 back in the uh, 79-80 season, and the Montreal Canadiens did it in uh, 49 games back in the 1943-44 season. I mean, this is ju- it's just insane what's going on. Uh, Jeremy Swayman in goal last night picks up the win. Um, Patrice Bergeron, or excuse me, David pa- Pasternak, with a goal and three assists last night. His goal was an empty netter to make it 4-2, but the Bruins trailed uh, at the end of one. They tied it up, and uh, they come back to win it. But uh, uh, Pasternak with a goal, uh, Taylor Hall with a goal, David Krejci with a goal, and Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron's was the actual winner. He scored the go-ahead goal with 2.55 to go in regulation. But uh, unbelievable what they're doing. I watched the Celtics game last night and wanted to throw up. Uh, look, that was a, look, it was a shorthanded Celtics team. I guess I should be happy that they hung in there. Um, they were without Marcus Smart. No Jalen Brown, no Al Horford, no Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, and they still had a 14-point lead at one point um, in the third quarter. But uh, Miami with a 15-0 run over six and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, and they end up winning the game. Uh, the Celtics had a chance down two with about 20 minutes to go. You knew what was going to happen. It was going to be in Jason Tatum's hands, and he became a black hole. They double-teamed him. He tried to throw it to a teammate in the corner. Uh cross-court pass that had no chance, got picked off, and that was the end of the game. Jason Tatum has turned the ball over 17 times in the last three games, seven times yesterday. And why? Because he's Jason Tatum and he's not going to give the ball up, but also because they've been so shorthanded, he's trying to do too much. 
You know, Jason Tatum has tried to take this and put this team on his back, and he's had pretty good success, although they've lost the last two games. But uh, 31 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists last night, but he's turning the ball over far too much. I mean, people are getting carried away saying, oh, he's not an all-star or an MVP because he turns it over too much. Has anybody watched LeBron James play lately? Because this is a guy that, you know, and LeBron James, even when when he was winning MVPs, turned the ball over a lot. But this was a disappointing one last night because it looked like it was one that could get on the road, and it was the second game of a back-to-back. But uh, you don't overcome 15-0 runs very often. Uh, and congrats to Michaela Schifrin. She uh, sets the record for uh, World Cup victories. She picked up her 83rd yesterday, passing Lindsey Vaughn. And uh, she's only 27 years old. She's going to shatter the records. It's unbelievable. The overall record is uh, Ingemar Stenmark holds that between men and women. Uh, he won 86. Now, he skied back in the 70s and 80s. He retired when he was 32 with 86 victories. She's 27. She's already got 83. If she stays healthy, she's going to shatter the record. So good for her. Good for her. She did it in a race uh, in Italy uh, and uh, taking uh, out Lindsey Vaughn. Uh, Lindsey Vaughn, you know, look, Lindsey Vaughn won her last race at age 33 she wanted to keep going but the injuries caught up to her so hopefully uh Schiffer can stay healthy and uh, absolutely shatter the records that's going to do it for us here this morning we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the wake up call going to leave you this morning with some music from gone west if i can get my my uh my thing to play here uh we'll see you tomorrow you've been listening to the wake up call on sports country